The Production Expert Podcast with Mike Thornton, Julian Rogers, and Audrey Martinovich. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 411. It's March the 16th, 2020. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm Julian Rogers. And I'm Audrey Martinovich. So uh, deals we've got running at the moment. We've got some great deals from our friends at Avid, Isotope, Synchro Arts, Sound Particles, Editor's Keys, Focusrite and RSPE, all on our deals page. If you're interested in any products from those brands, then check out the deals page and see what deals they are offering. Okay, let's get straight on with our talking points, and these are sponsored by Arturia. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Okay, uh, talking points. Well, we cannot, uh, whether we like it or not, um, not mention coronavirus or COVID-19. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're not going to talk about uh, medical stuff. We're not going to talk about advice. Um, we're not yet. doctors. Yeah, <laughs> we're not doctors, exactly. So uh, what we would say is whatever you need to obviously abide by the advice given by your local authorities, your government in whichever country you happen to be, because the, the advice is very different around the world with different opinions. Um, so that's the advice you need to turn to. But there are a lot of common threads that we can talk about uh, as they affect our industry, uh, whether it's music production uh, broadcast, TV, film, uh, whatever it is that we work in in professional audio, there's there's quite a few common threads that we can start to explore. Obviously, um, one of the things that we need to think about is uh, how we can work from home because as more and more um, larger institutions close down, how do we work from home? Uh, let's uh, obviously it's slightly challenging because. <laughs> Certainly, I, for one, have been working from home for over 20 years, so this is no (laughs) new thing for me. You've been training for this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But nevertheless, most of my... I've had a mixture in terms of clients who who come and clients for whom I work uh, and then uh, send them preview versions for review. Um, Presumably... Audrey, most of mm-hmm. your clients uh, are attended clients? Most, yeah, yeah. We've had um, some things be canceled, mostly uh, like off-site concerts and the like. Mm. But um, yeah, most of our sessions here, um, are especially editing, tends to be attended more often because, um, you know, if it's a complicated classical piece, we don't yeah. want to miss any measures or anything no. like that. So they'll help point out where those things are. Um, some stuff though is unattended. So once it gets more into the like mixing and I, I like to have everything be unattended when I'm doing things like frequency sweeps, just cause that can really kind of color a client's uh, perception of mm. the, the song that we're working on. Um, so it is a split. Um, yeah, trying to do more unattended though, as you can imagine. But presumably your location work is being impacted mm-hmm. because events that you were going to be recording are being yeah. canceled or postponed. Yeah, um, they here in Wisconsin. Well, I think uh, federally in the states they've uh, mandated that everything above 250 people uh, is canceled. Um, and here, I think that they're taking that a step further and just saying anything over 50 people needs to be canceled. So here, schools are closed, um, and that has impacted a lot of events here, as you can imagine. So um, we were about to have a week with the symphony in a concert hall here, and that's been canceled. Um, we had a 12-hour uh, Bach uh, performance event cancel. Um, just, yeah, a bunch of those really kind of big things, but most uh, in-studio stuff is still 
proceeding, uh, as long as it's not going to be 50 people or more. Hmm. But I mean, touching on the fact that schools are closed, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. going to have a huge impact because uh, one of the challenges will be who uh, handles um, childcare Mm -hmm. and how that impacts on those working. Um, Exactly. Yeah, because I I have a four-year-old, so he goes to pre-K normally, which, of course, is canceled now. So um, we have a sitter for today. And so, like, any kind of essential things where I really need to focus in, we're tracking and can't have any distractions or someone who wants to, like, try and pull on all the colorful cables that we have, um, (laughs) he has to stay with uh, a a close friend for that kind of stuff. And we've been, you know, all right, no one's showing any kind of symptoms of anything. We'll, you know, practice hygiene and you know we're kind of extra cautious but I am bringing him here uh, with me for some of the unattended stuff because um, then it's just him and I in the studio instead yeah. of him and I at our house yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously it, some of the things that we do need to think about is is working from home whether that's mm-hmm. you know and it's good to see that a few brands including Avid are trying mm-hmm. to assist um we're getting more information on the avid deal uh, we record this on monday the 16th we're currently uh nearly 320 G- gmt um avid are going to make the final announcements of exactly how the system works but we got an update yesterday mm-hmm. and it seems to be that basically if you have a license in other words in my case i have an ultimate license so uh, i could if I was working, this was not um, my studio wasn't at home, but it was in a in a facility. I could um, apply to them to get a duplicate ninety day Pro Tools Ultimate license to match the license that I've got. But it's one like it's one for one. So if you own one license, you can only have one license. So presumably, for you, Audrey, if you were trying to work, f- uh, you know, replace, mm-hmm. you know, if a number of your staff were working from home, you've effectively probably only got one Pro Tools license. So it's, it's going to be who gets the who gets the extra license. It, is it though, Mike? Just because um, I'm not a I'm not a like, iLock Cloud user. Uh, I I rather like physical iLocks. I kind of I I understand yeah, them. Me they too. Work for me, so I haven't moved away from them. But if you relinquish the license and put it back up into the cloud then it can be accessed by anybody remotely just you can't correct but only one, one at a time at, the same at a time. time though yeah it's one at a time though so, so, it's still so it's effectively the same as having one yes one you can't studio share an it can be used you, you, by one person at a time but yeah so at least the only thing you wouldn't have to do is to move the license around so if, right. if we are in lockdown you don't have to drive the the iLock from one place to another you essentially mm-hmm. you re- whoever's using it releases releases it back into the cloud so that somebody else can use it which so, would probably be how we would do it because we have um four engineers here and we already share two machines two licenses um so we'd, we'd probably just kind of have the same thing it just helped me out to have it uh in a remote location since i uh live about an hour away from the studio um if i don't have to drive in that that's you know that works yeah. for me um and i'll just you know we can make sure that we're not trying to overlap too much yeah but of course and the other challenge with iLock cloud is not all plugins are supported mm-hmm. for iLock cloud we do have if you need it we do have a searchable database of all the brands that and plugins that we are aware of that do support iLock cloud but again if you if there if there are brands that don't support iLock cloud then again you're going to have to think about it i mean the the waves system you can effectively use that you can put your assets back into the cloud so that again mm-hmm. if you coordinated with people you right. could you could pull down the asset the, the licenses for for the for one person to do a job and then put them back into the cloud and then somebody else can pull them down um mm-hmm. so the, the waves you with their um system you could you could effectively achieve a similar result um but other plugins that don't aren't yet supported by iLock Cloud, uh, that probably will be the biggest challenge that people will will, um, will face when trying to work remotely. So something that occurs to me, and I mean, I'm sure we're all there already, actually. But um, as an industry, um, I mean, obviously we've got we've got kind of the acquisition phase yep. of projects, which 
inevitably involves going to places. Well, not inevitably, but a great deal of which involves going to places and people well, coming together and all of that kind of stuff. Requires people to come together somewhere. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. which which is is you know the thing that's uh, receiving so much scrutiny at the moment. And inevitably, there's a knock on effect because if if the post industry and by post, I don't necessarily mean post production, although that's right in there. But um, mm. uh, after acquisition, the mixing stage of a music project or or the all of the stages that go uh, after, go on after the shoot on a post project, if if they're not being fed by material, then there's a knock on effect down the road. But yes, just for that, looking at things more simply than that, um, just looking at the the work that happens uh, uh, away from that acquisition phase, we've, we've been we've been kind of building up a, a huge <laughs> a huge variety of tools that meet this situation mm-hmm. very neatly actually i mean I'm, i've just made a quick list and i mean uh cloud file exchange which i mean of course everybody's going to be using but but it works for us because file limits are you know if so much larger than they used to be when these things first yeah. first launched oh, yeah. so file exchange mm-hmm. is, is there's a solution there for all these collaborative tools i mean you know um avid everywhere you know, I mean, that's kind of like got some helpful aspects to it for people who've who've engaged with it. Absolutely, and there's other things to do with you know that kind of there's there's, there's various takes on this collaborative workflow. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, things like we just recently we're talking about um, we're talking specifically about FilePass actually, but there was Frame.io for the video people, and there's mm. a, there's a couple of other solutions out there for um, <clears throat> for dealing with approvals. And revisions and all of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, just, just, just getting the tools. I mean, moving so much in, into the box. Getting our tools is effectively purely digital process in terms of you know, the digital downloads and uh, software-based products. Um, talking to each other. We've got, we've got, you know, Skype. And then if we need to actually do you know some types of acquisition uh we've got things like source connect for kind of high mm-hmm. quality we don't need to be leasing isdn lines and stuff because that was you know while it worked it was ponderous and, you know i mean just the fact that you used to used to employ somebody specifically to set up and <laughs> sit on the isdn lines and keep them open <laughs> yeah does suggest that it wasn't being there solution. yeah yeah um and then, I mean, going slightly further, this we're not there yet, but there have been some really interesting uh, experiments, and I'd call them experiments at the moment rather than workflows, to do with um, uh, Dante over the internet using common clocks, using GPS clocks for network um, clocking, which slightly goes out, outside of the scope of this conversation right now. But the fact that you can extend these kinds of these kinds of things with some limitations to do with latency admittedly but um uh, not in terms of kind of you know bandwidth and quality and stuff outside of a lan and across the internet it can go out through the gateway and out across the internet so you can do this stuff in a more sophisticated way still than source connect there's an awful lot there and mm-hmm. while that doesn't make the problem go away um, it does offer some solutions to some of to some of the other problems that the big problem <laughs> throws up. Yeah. So you and know, it's 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 all all I'm saying really is just kind of like um uh it's thrown a new context onto a lot of tools that some people have been going, well, I haven't really got a use for these. And I'm going, Yeah, mm. well, you know, their day their day will come eventually. <laughs> yeah, the day is coming. It's kind of it's kind of now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And talking about source elements, the other the other really useful uh uh, product that they have is Source Live, which allows you to stream high quality, low latency encrypted audio and video. You can stream that in mm. sync with your DAW. It's very much designed for clients to be able to listen remotely um, in a sufficiently high enough quality so that you, they can do approvals. Um, I think that's what so, I was referring to, but probably got the name. Well, of no, the but you've got mm. Source Connect. So, in terms of of bringing acquiring audio you can use source connect uh either the full-blown product you know to replace an isdn line because uh, that's essentially a large proportion of what it's designed to do if you need uh you've also got source connect now which yeah, is which what is, we which is what are hearing each now, other we really should know about considering the read we do on every single yeah. podcast so, <laughs> so if you if you even if someone hasn't got hardware at their end providing you've got a uh, essentially got a Mac and a half-decent mic that you can plug directly into a Mac, 
then you can do quite a lot with just Source Connect now with a Chrome browser. So you've you know there, there's there's that there's, as I say the Source Live uh, for streaming um, video and audio or just audio. So if you're if you're doing a a post project, you could potentially get sign off from a from a client uh, for both video and audio. Um, so you've got those sorts of products, as you say. We've got file file sharing, um, you know, the drop boxes and the like. Um, we've got tools like uh, Facebook um, audio. Um, mm-hmm. You've got obviously Skype. You, so you can you can have meetings. I've note I've seen various uh, adverts for a company called Zoom, not Zoom as in interfaces and and stuff, mm-hmm. but the Zoom. Uh, t- uh, conferencing yeah they seem to be offering uh, specials and, and, and I think being uh, trying to being as flexible as possible uh, while still being a business um, so that uh, meetings mm-hmm. can uh, continue I mean a lot of companies are already in this in this zone I mean for instance Avid a lot of the people that I speak to are Avid uh, are, I speak to from their home they they are working from home already so mm-hmm. uh, i think for companies that are already in this sort of sector it's going to be a lot easier for them to um to manage uh, yeah I, I don't want to i don't want anyone to have the impression that i'm saying hey it's fine because no there's there's an awful lot of stuff that's a long way from fine uh but what i what i suppose i'm saying is that there's an awful lot of stuff that we can do that just kind of like 10 years ago in this situation oh, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have yeah. to do five years right. ago yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah, I have a lot of friends who are music teachers who are using a bunch of these platforms, like Zoom especially, to what are, what are they using about their... latency? Because I had a question about this because um, yeah. uh, somebody was using Facebook. I mean, not Facebook, um, FaceTime, and yeah. it's not really viable because of massive latency. Any any better suggestions for how to get around that for well, people like peripatetic music teachers? That's yeah, that's not right. Yeah, ideal job for this kind thing. of environment at the moment because you know i i I rather doubt you're going to be welcomed into give little johnny his cello lesson when you've just been right (laughs) i don't think you bear to accompany little johnny but i think in terms i think the latency would not be too much of an issue in terms of you know johnny playing something then Mm -hmm. teacher demonstrating something i think i mean what's your from from your friends what's your experience in in trying to use these tools in a in a music teaching environment so, I mean, it seems like basically what they're doing is mostly just through Facebook Live, or I mean, not through Live, um, uh, Messenger, like the video chat. Um, and the reason for that is just to keep it accessible. Um, not a lot of their students will end up downloading something else. Um, that's a little different for the college age uh, students. A lot of them have already kind of moved into online learning. Um, so I think that just through keeping it accessible for them, they have tried Zoom um, since they need it for other uh, meetings and lessons and stuff anyway. That kind of seems everyone's kind of coalescing around one or two uh, platforms. Um, I haven't really heard anything as much as what people are doing for latency. I just don't think that they're uh, as concerned about it as like we would be, um, especially when we're trying to talk to each other I don't think on you could find a, a podcast. A, jump a bunch of users who'd be more concerned than us about latency. <laughs> right, <honest>. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, I haven't heard any anyone complaining about that so far. Just imagine the network yeah. engineers going, Ooh, tough crowd on this one. <laughs> <laughs> picky, picky. Mm. Uh, it's, I mean, uh, it does make me think kind of what we were saying, you know, 10, even five years ago, things were considerably less, less suitable for doing this kind of work. And I'm just thinking, well, in that case, casting a mind forward, um, yeah, what are, where are we going to be in kind of like five years' time mm-hmm. with with this kind mm. of stuff? Um, it's, it's an interesting thought. I'm trying to imagine what's uh, where we'll be with uh, with this kind of stuff and the kind of opportunities that that'll open up when we've but got. I think in most of those environments, you're essentially talking about broadcasting. Whatever, you know, it's a mm-hmm. one way. The rel- the degree of return path uh, input is relatively small because that's when latency really starts to kick mm, in. Is absolutely. how much mm-hmm. return path. I mean, I suppose I'm probably thinking about techniques for getting around it, and I suppose it's uh, yeah. I mean, you just need to you just need to see satellite feeds in action, and you can see exactly how badly yes. conversations mm-hmm. go when they've got considerable. 
well, again, in former life, that's an environment that I lived in, and it was a great <laughs> challenge. I, I mean, should we start you know, talking over each other randomly just to oh, illustrate? Yeah. This? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we would tend to use phone lines for return path because it was actually reduced the latency to a, to a minimum. Mm. Um, and yeah, I remember a situation when uh, we went to Prague to do a satellite broadcast. And we took over all three landlines the hotel had to do the broadcast. One for me to talk to my colleagues around the world, another one um, for return audio path, uh, and a third one as a spare audio path. And we, yeah, mm-hmm. they had the, for the duration of the broadcast, the hotel had no way of taking or uh, either making or receiving phone calls because we had all three lines. But yeah. <laughs> Um, slightly different these days, but uh, I mean that wasn't too long ago. Um, what is this landline of which you speak? <laughs> <laughs> Copper. Yes, it says, it says every twenty-year-old listening to this. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. I mean the other thing that that you know as as this whole thing kicks in and we are at home potentially with um, family members who are either uh, not well or or self-isolating. Um, we're also going to have to effectively think about what we might do with that time because it mm-hmm. may be that we're not actually f- able to work all of that time. So what sort of things could we be thinking about now? Um, it could be that we could think about um, books we want to read. It could be training. We could maybe sign up for a a, a, a video training series that we've never had time to sit down and watch. Um, it could be uh, those sorts of sort of courses. So learning new products. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we we stick with with things that we know because we haven't had time to learn a new a new plugin, a new device. Mm-hmm. Um, what other things do you think we could you know be creative and use the time that we may end up having? Because I think everybody would be. I think everybody's pretty well sure that this isn't going to be an overnight uh, thing. This is going to last a while. I think play an instrument. That's oh, exactly yes. where I was going. Yeah. Well done. Cause, yeah, because, I mean, I think that, I mean, that has definitely made me a better engineer just through, like, hearing when things are slightly out of tune a little bit better or, uh, oh, you know, let me try to hit that again or something. I, you know, And I think it keeps those those creative juices flowing. It gives you an opportunity to examine music that you like a little more closely if you want to try to do a cover of it or learn it. Um, but I, I think picking up an instrument is what I'm going to do. That's a great idea. Uh, well, th- well, that one's already gone, and I'm looking rather, <laughs> I'm looking rather kind of guiltily at my piano. And uh, I know <laughs> how, th- how things are going on the fr- on you know, with with instruments, particularly with pianos, is like how much stuff have you left on the keyboard? Seriously, is it just kind of like you know one piece of paper, or is there a pile of books on one end? Because if if it's a pile <laughs> of books, then you need to you need to try you a little need to harder to get it cleaned up. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, the learning new things thing is i mean the it's it's a thing that um i'm very aware of is kind of like you know that there's so many things that i want to know about about mm-hmm. which there are um you know i just want to be an expert at everything you know <laughs> and i mean there's a few things that i've done recently there's a very good book that i've uh, I'm most of the way through now um about uh loudspeaker design for example which some of which was heavily heavily off the uh, end of my um uh, of the of the end of my existing knowledge, but it's been brilliant actually to just kind of take a really deep dive in some of that stuff, and it's improved my writing no end and, and mm-hmm. my understanding of these products. And the thing that's really interesting about it is that you'd think that reading a book about how loudspeakers work would give you a greater understanding of you know the experience of sitting in front of a pair of speakers and, and listening to them, but no, it feeds over into your understanding of audio which feeds over into your understanding of production and of mixing and of mastering mm-hmm. and everything, every single stage of it. And, I mean, there's a few real key points that have come out that I've thought that's really useful. And that's not good. The fact that I know how these speakers work is going to improve my mixing and going to improve what goes in, what goes into them in the first place in a way that I really wouldn't have predicted on the uh, when I first picked this book up. There's there's unexpected benefits to, to knowledge and there's – 
blind alleys and uh, fruitful alleys that it can throw your mind out. This is why it takes me so long to finish a book, to be honest, because <laughs> I'll, I'll get, you know, the end of the first paragraph and I go, oh, that's interesting. What's that? And I'll Gotta start go down the rabbit hole. I, yes. I, actually, I've got something that's really kind of turned things around for me slightly in my in my studio is um, for the first time, I don't know, since I've been in this room, I've got an armchair in here. And so there is somewhere else to sit down other than in front of the computer. Mm. If you want to read a book, don't do it within arm's reach of a computer. That's my yeah. number one tip. Just because yeah. if you're anything like me, if you're if you're annoyingly curious about things, then as soon as you come up to something that you about which you want to know more, you'll look it up. Mm-hmm. And this is why this is why computers are such bad things to try to read on. Just because many people say, "Oh, I don't like the screen," and I prefer no. That's not what it is. It's the fact that it's connected to everything else in the world, which <laughs> it can be incredibly distracting. Focus and coming back round to what you started saying about like um, something that would definitely be um, a, a very nice fringe benefit from something that's not not something that any of us would choose. Um, of uh, you know having your world get smaller is it does mean that you have to focus. I listened to a mm-hmm. interesting piece on Radio Four. Non UK people, Radio Four is fantastic. <laughs> speech based public service radio, broadcasting which speech, is just brilliant. Oh. And uh, talking to uh, somebody who spends significant periods uh, um, on research stations in the Antarctic, and she was saying that you know on a bad day they can be out on a field trip, I don't, I don't they call it a field trip, but they're out away from the base and they can find themselves holed up by some apocalyptic blizzard for you know, 10 days with just them and someone else and not really a great deal to do. Wow. And she was saying, actually, it's okay. And what you do is your world gets smaller and you focus on stuff. And what she does is she takes all those really difficult books that you just can't be doing with when you're in the busy world. And yeah, some thick, difficult Russian novels. She'll take it along, and it's absolutely the environment for it. Now, I, I don't think I'm going to be reading War and Peace, but <laughs> if I wanted to, I think some period of self-isolation would be the only time it had happened. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've been talking yeah, that's too much. true. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I just picked up a book yesterday, so I don't but normally have time to read. But now, yeah, I and I think it, you know now. Now that is the time to actually sort of. Um, Stockpile to uh, mix my metaphors. Uh, yeah, words sensibly stockpile like <laughs> rather than um, yeah uh, things that will enable us to make be creative. And I think you, the idea of musical instruments is absolutely on the mark. But be creative with the time that we are going to have uh, mm-hmm. when we get into more of a lockdown. Okay, I think we'll move along <laughs> at this point. Um, Julian, what are the competitions we've got? Competitions. We've got two competitions running this month. Uh, you can win one of three copies of Sound Theory's Gulfos. That's uh, an intelligent equaliser, which is kind of uh, interesting and hard to explain, but on the right material, really, really clever. Um, it's worth $192. So uh, if you want if you want a copy of Sound Theory Gulfos, uh, enter that competition. The other one is uh, you can win a copy of uh, Sound Particles Pro Perpetual Bundle. Uh, that's... Uh, uh, I CGI do know what this for is. audio is the is the probably the simplest way of describing it. Mm-hmm. It's a clever thing well, that if you tried to do it another way, it would involve unfeasible amounts of uh, of automation, and uh, it just wouldn't be wouldn't be practical yeah. to do. It's fair enough to say. So creating it? crowd scenes from a handful of sound effects, Absolutely. very very clever. Um, so yeah, uh, so two competitions running, and if you want to win either of those, head over to the win page. Good. Uh, second talking point. I thought we'd take a look. Um, at uh, really respond to James's article. Uh, we published it recently. One person changed their audio interface over 15 times in 20 years. Um, did it make a difference? And I thought we'd just sort of go around the table uh, and just describe our um, audio interface uh, history um, and see where that takes us, sort of which interfaces and then... Um, why and how and just briefly sort of go around so um julian would you like to start i i've done the list because we we were talking about this before we started the record and uh i i want to change james's title to uh, from uh, over 15 times to only 
15 times. Because <laughs> I'm quite surprised knowing what James is like with gear, that it's that it, he hasn't he's hit triple figures 50. or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if we rolled in um, pieces he's had in for, for, oh, yeah, for, for tests and stuff, we'd be onto silly, silly numbers. But yeah. no, my mm-hmm. list, I wrote it down um, and I've lost it already. Here it is. Um, and going right the way back, um, my first ever interface. Uh, was and we were talking about latency earlier, actually, and I can speak with some authority on latency just because uh, uh, I, in the... This would have been in the mid to... No, I'm going off operating system. Yeah, late-ish 90s. Um, a Sound Blaster Live. Mm. That was the very first thing. That was a that was a PCI card, um, and mm. uh, it was it had a little kind of daughter board that came off it, so it had uh, SPDIF on, on phonos. That's the reason I bought it. It was the first really accessibly priced sound card that offered digital in and out. That I was really interested in because I was working in a studio at the time that used to uh, used to master to DAT. And used to master, I'm not going to use such grand phrases about that studio. They used to print off mixes to mm-hmm. DAT. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the opportunities to edit stuff together was irresistible and it was i mean it's a familiar thing about it as soon as you can do something in a computer the very first thing people wanted to do was to be able to edit without having to get a razor blade out and um that's what i started to do that was an interesting one because it was fixed to 48k which um which yeah that was a that was a baptism by fire really just because yeah, I, the at days the time, when cds mattered much more than they do now that yeah, was a it was like oh 44 one that's cd standard that's what in the gun can we change anyway never mind um yeah. the uh this was before uh asio drivers were, were were common i think they existed but they certainly weren't commonplace and they certainly didn't exist for this and this was uh with a dx drivers direct x drivers that oh. sounds right to me yeah. anyway the latency was 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 about an hour Probably. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. I wasn't really that aware of it because I was I was using uh, – I started off using Cool Edit Pro. I remember that. Oh, yeah. That was uh, – and then and then uh, was using WaveLab, which was actually a real formative piece of software for me, WaveLab. I was very, very into that. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're just recording off DAT and then you're doing some editing, and latency is transparent to you, you, just, you don't notice it at all. Yeah. As soon as there's some real time, as we know – and I first came across this the first time I ever tried a software synthesizer. And uh, it wasn't a great experience, I have to say. It was not at all easy to play. Press the note out on the on the keyboard and wait five minutes. Oh, it, it was such a long <laughs> time. It was ridiculous. But yes, Sound Blaster Live. Um, don't miss it, <laughs> frankly. Do not miss it. But it got me into it. When I, f- when I first got into, uh, got into kind of doing proper uh, digital audio, it was like a lot of people. Uh, it was 001. Um, I I knew of Pro Tools. I'd used Pro Tools a couple of times, uh, but certainly it had never been anywhere near me and it wasn't available to anybody other than uh, Pro Tools Free, which was the... Uh, oh, the really version 3.4 which on the disc, on the CD. Was it? It, I don't the, remember the ver- I don't think I even knew what what version yeah. was. What I mean it was it was a it was a eight mono tracks only That's it, yeah. um version of Pro Tools. Yeah. Which was such a great idea because it, it just was, got it was brilliant. the only reason that I started using Pro Tools ultimately was because of that. Mm. And um yeah, and I bought a 001 as soon as they were available, I went out and bought a 001 and it was just so brilliant. I remember having uh, I forget where I bought it from, but I was talking to yeah, it was a bricks and mortar shop, and I went and collected it and carried it home. Um, and it was uh, this guy trying to explain to me, uh, "Oh no, you want the M audio? Was it M audio Delta Ten Ten? Very similar box at the time." Mm. And I was saying, "No, I really don't, because I want Pro Tools." And he didn't get it at all. It was, uh, but anyway, Double O One. I loved my Double O One. I part exchanged it for a Double O Three rack. Some years later, I I did a lot of work on that Double O One. Um, and got a lot of mileage out of it actually, because um, obviously you had uh, you had uh, an ADAT input as well on the card mm. itself, which a lot of people a lot of people kind of forget because it wasn't on the back of the interface; it was on the card that went into the computer. But um, that got killed. I, I finally made the jump because they changed the PCI va- voltage from was it three point three to five. Well, it went volts. from PCIe X to PCIe. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, it was. Um, uh, I bought a new computer, but I couldn't use my um, couldn't use my 001 in it. So mm. 003 rack, which, frankly, I'm going to say it was all right. Those crackly mm-hmm. pots, you know, but it was mm-hmm. it was a nice it was a nice thing, and you know worked quite well. At the same time, I I bought an Mbox Micro. I've still got that. Do you remember those? 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Still got that in a cupboard somewhere. I mean, I'll just having to explain to people, yes, if you wanted to use Pro Tools on a laptop, you had to have this thing mm. hanging out the side mm-hmm. of your machine. And it was positively dangerous because it had got a thumb wheel, really loud uh, headphone preamp in it, but it wasn't marked. So yes. you couldn't oh. tell which... Not only you couldn't tell where it was turned up to, but if you plugged it in, you, you it was very easy to forget which way you had to turn it to turn it up or down. Yeah. So you plugged it in, deafened yourself, and then jumped to move it, it quickly and then deafened yourself more. <laughs> so, yeah, not a triumph of design, that one. And then getting on to current-ish stuff, um, Apollo Twin Duo, which I still have and I still still kind of use, although really it just gets used as uh, for the DSP these days. Um, then a Red 4 Pre which is my current interface, um, which I'm very happy with and can't, can't really see it going anywhere in the foreseeable because it's got, it's, it's, got, it's got the Dante and it's got the expandability and it's got the software's decent enough with it and it works uh, for everything I need it for. And then the last thing, and this was a thing that came up quite recently, is that I, the only uh, interface that I've got that's you know, properly portable, drop-in-a-bag portable, is the Apollo Twin which uh, is a Thunderbolt interface. And I went to, I did a thing at Sonic State. I went to see Nick in um, in Bath and I had to borrow an interface because uh, I, I was doing video output from my from my MacBook Pro, from its single th- Thunderbolt oh, output. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that was in use. <laughs> and I had, so yeah, I had to borrow, a, I, it just occurred to me, I don't have a USB interface and actually i could kind of do with one so i've got a scarlet solo which is just there for if i just want a little interface that'll just do the job bit of screen cap bit of demo stuff there you go so that's me did that take a long time Uh, yes it it probably did for seven (laughs) and now we're done with the podcast yeah absolutely (laughs) is anyone still there um audrey audrey you so come on if i've only got seven interfaces I only have six if you count the DigiDesign 002 and 003 as two totally different things. Um, so I guess, yeah, I was first introduced to interfaces in general in college. Um, and I worked on the 002 uh, and 003 racks uh, a fair amount during labs and things. And yeah, the the pots on that were, were super scratchy. Um, but, you know, at the, at the time, I didn't really know any better. So I was like, this is cool. I'm just recording stuff. I'm super excited about that in general. Um, later on, and I, I started, I guess, in, uh, with Pro Tools 9. Um, and then, yeah, I, I switched to an Mbox uh, a little bit. I think that was probably the first thing I actually owned. Um, again, just like another simple liter- little interface. Wasn't really doing a whole lot of pro stuff at the time. Um, and so, that yeah, that's my like history of interfaces. Right now, um, I have uh, three that I can think of off the top of my head. And um, two of them are the, uh, uh, well, Two are two little two-channel USB interfaces. So I have a Scarlet 2i2 um, in my B office, and that's uh, just like what you said, Julian, to have as if I need to do a quick thing that's not really like a super essential. They're very you know, good, though, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Kind of embarrassingly exactly. good. I'm thinking Red 4 Pre. I know. Watch it. Careful. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, it's 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 definitely an improvement over the Mbox that I used to have. And, um, yeah, it's just a little quick thing that I've got. I, I really like working with it. Um, and then I have uh, what I'm using actually right now is um, a well to send my audio to you through Source Connect. I have a Personas Audio Box 22. Um, and that's just another two channel uh, interface. It looks like yeah, it, ooh, it does have MIDI on the back, which is nice. I forgot if it did for a second there. Because um, I kind of missed that with my 192s, which is what I use most of the time. Um, I've got two of those. And, um, yeah, I'm always kind of bummed out that they don't have MIDI. I know what so you mean. That, yeah, right. It, I, yeah, it, it right? used to be just like everything had MIDI on the back. And then ooh. suddenly, and I can remember when right. it first caught me out, I went, oh, hang on a minute. I know. <laughs> it keeps getting me, too. Like, I forget that there's no MIDI, and then I'll be like, oh, well, let's just do this. Oh, man, I have to get another thing set up. So um, that would be my kind of bone to pick with them. Um, that being said, I know that the day is going to come where I have to upgrade everything um, and probably we'll just go to all Thunderbolt uh, in, in, uh, interfaces at that point. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what lies on the horizon, but that's where I'm at right now. So what, what's in the studio rack? In terms of um, interfaces. 
Uh, those those are the 192s. So I've yeah. got the um, an, uh, a single HDX system in the mm-hmm. main studio. Yeah. Okay, well, Mike, here we go. So, yeah, what about you, Mike? Oh, yeah, I've added a few since we first started writing this <laughs> So here goes. I'm nearly up to James's territory, but I've been doing it a while. That's my excuse. So my See, first I'm... interface was an Audio Media LC. So you remember, you may remember the Audio Media card and then the Audio Media 2. I do. And it, um, Well, this was the Audio Media LC. The LC standing for the LC475. Apple made a pizza box type. Computer it was my yeah, first yeah, yeah. Apple machine, and it had an expansion slot slot in it, into which you could put the Audio Media LC card. And you were talking about having SP diff on the back. Yeah. If only it had phonos. It was two three and a half mil jack sockets. Oh. One it one for stereo in analog, and one for stereo out analog. Oh. Um, but that got me very much going uh, in the early days uh, when I was in fact probably using deck. Uh, the predecessors to Pro Tools. And then I was already using Pro Tools uh, for my clients, uh, working with the BBC and the like. Um, but then my first proper Pro Tools system was a, a Pro Tools TDM system running on a 7166 meg clock machine. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, that was a, a Pro Tools system with uh, an 88216 which after a while I swapped out and got an 88220, which I actually used for a very long time. So that took me through Pro Tools Mix, Pro Tools Mix Plus. And around that sort of time, I had an Mbox One as my portable interface. Uh, I had an Mbox Micro when I just needed to edit stuff on the laptop. Although before that... Do you recognise my criticism of the... Oh, totally. I I was with you (laughs) all the way. Um, But I can't even remember the brand. But I had a... uh, It's back when Mac laptops had... So I had one of the the first Titanium uh, Apple MacBook. In fact, before that, it was the 3400. um, And it had a PCM CIA card slot. And you could get an interface, and I just can't remember the company that made it, but you could basically oh, get an I interface think I know what card you're talking that, about. Yeah. Um, that went in that slot, and then you plugged a multi multi sort of uh, a, a small multi pin connector because obviously the PCM CIA card was not very big, and that gave you breakout to XLRs in and out, hmm. uh, analog, stereo in, stereo out, and phonos for SP diff. And I did a lot of location. Yeah. Uh, recording so quiz programs uh, all sorts of things like that using that in a laptop um using pro- the, the free version of pro tools that you've just been you know, julian you were talking about pro tools oh, yes. 3.4 um so yes that was so that all previous pre- was before mbox one mbox micro uh, mbox 2 pro uh, and 002R, that was my only, personally, uh, in, in terms of interfaces I own, that was my only venture into 002Rs. Um, and then when my Mix Plus system finally needed upgrading, uh, I went to um, straight to uh, TDM. Sorry, it went straight to uh, 192s on a Mix Core um, system, uh, and that kept me going until... Um, we get to HDX. Uh, so I had an, a 192 on that system. So I went to HDX, got an HDIO uh, for quite a while, which I still have. And then I bought Russ's um, Made Quiet um, HD Omni, which is really the interface that I use most of the time. It's the one that's in front of me. It's my monitor controller. And then my current portable interface, uh, like you... Uh, Julie and I have an Apollo Twin Duo as effectively the only interface I have for my laptop. So, yeah, I think that's about uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So 13. <laughs> so not quite in James' territory, but getting well on. But <laughs> Just needed yeah, another my, pair. My argument is I've been doing it longer, but there we go. <laughs> Man, I've only got six. I've got to, I've got to start catching up here. I've got an Mbox Micro that you can have if you <laughs> <laughs> The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com.
If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, let's move straight along to our find of the week, and these are sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio carries nearly every great microphone you can think of, from budget to boutique. They have microphones from Sennheiser, Neumann, Earthworks, Shure, Loughton, Peluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs, Antelope, and many more. Not sure what mic you need? RSPE's team can help. Just tell them the work you do, and they can recommend a few mics. Plus, if you're in L.A., you can book a demo so you can try them out before you buy. Shop online or contact their team to find the right mic for you. Okay, so, Julian, what's your finder this week? Uh, mine is something that I've been, not been able to find anything very much about online. So if, the, if you want to follow a link, all you'll get is you'll get a Facebook uh, link to uh, a post by KMR Audio. Um, it's, it's a company called Opus Audio. And they, I, I'm familiar with them, but only only kind of quite loosely, just because uh, the kind of work they do is kind of high-end sort of theatre installs and stuff like that. It's, they're not a product-y company. They're kind of a solutions company, most probably. Uh, but they're definitely in the sort of um, high-end PA system uh, kind of area, but not really touring PA. Uh, anyway, lovely people and uh, relatively close to me. They're just they're they're just kind of you know half an hour up the road from me. And I saw that they've they're dipping a toe into uh, into studio monitors, which got my attention immediately. And I had a good long chat with one of the guys at Opus, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm quite keen to have a go on some of these. It's got it's quite a high end uh, system, sort of aimed at aimed at mastering engineers most probably although i mean it, it would do in other contexts as well uh interesting design i don't know a huge amount about it so far i certainly haven't seen them there they're at the um they're beyond prototype but they're relatively small manufacturer and I, th- I think it'll pretty pretty much be built to order but um yeah opus audio and they're making uh i think they're called isophase studio monitors interestingly they they use a ribbon tweeter which is something i've i've never heard um, I'm not talking about what people talk about with ribbon tweeters in the kind of like uh, uh, head, um, Eve and Adam sense. That's not a ribbon tweeter. That's an AMT. And I've, I've written several things on the blog explaining the difference, but not the crinkly accordion shaped things. This is an actual ribbon, uh, very similar to how a ribbon in a ribbon microphone works. And that's that's getting quite exotic. Um, I can't say much more about it apart from they exist, and I've had a chat with the people, and they sound really nice. And I'm going to have a listen to their monitors and and see if they sound as nice as they say they do. Which you know, uh, so you've listened to them in in the in their factory, effectively. But uh, I think I'm going to do a studio visit to uh, a, a studio that isn't far away from from them or from me. Um, and uh, yeah, they've got somebody that they used. Uh, I think KMR have got have got a pair. Uh, on loan, which they've been doing some demos at various places with. But reaction seems interesting at the moment. I mean, it's 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 not really it doesn't really carry much weight to say, hey, a uh, speaker manufacturer have made some speakers and they say they sound really good. <laughs> but uh, apparently they <laughs> sound really good. Man- <laughs> <laughs> You're hardly not going to say that. But yeah. they, they look interesting enough. And certainly this is a company who don't have uh, a track record I'm aware of in studio monitoring, but they absolutely have a track record in designing good sounding speakers. So I'd be interested to see how that works and and what it's like. So yeah, just uh, at some point, I'll I'll, well, I'll I'll go and have a listen and I'll let everyone know what I find. Uh, Audrey, what about you? My find is uh, from 2009, so it's not something Whoa, brand new. Hot news off the press. <laughs> I know, I know, but I really wanted to share it because I can't get it out of my head, and I think that uh, some people in our audience might enjoy it too. So it is a movie called Pontypool. Um, have either of you heard of this movie? I, I know that there's a town somewhere uh, called Pontypool, but yeah. have you seen the movie or heard about no. it at all? No, I'm not familiar yeah. with that one. Okay, so I am. I was super intrigued by this because I love zombies. Um, I speak a little bit of French, and um, I'm also fascinated by Orson Welles. So this movie combines all of those things. And this is a film that was developed simultaneously as a radio play. 
And so it is set in the like this basement of a church, a radio station where you are basically just there the whole time and you don't really know what's going on out in the outside world. You're hearing these uh, updates as if you are the radio producer. You're right there in the room in the control room with them. So I'm just really I was really intrigued by how this whole thing was put together. And, and it definitely reminds me of War of the Worlds where you're like, is this a hoax? Is this, you know, here's a news update coming in. I don't really know what's going on. And they're, you're trying to like piece together the whole thing with them. And I thought that uh, people who are interested in radio might also be interested in this movie. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure right now is the time for some kind of like uh, fake or it's news the zombie apocalypse time. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's watching Contagion right now, so we need to get them on something else. Something, something. <laughs> Mike, Mike, what's your? Oh, well, I'm week? I'm super boring, but I, I do have to take my I hat off to Avid for offering 90 day uh, free license if you find you are separated from the license you paid for. I think. It was a neat touch. They were very quick to respond. One of the first companies to offer something of this ilk. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a really nice way of doing it. And I also do have to uh, give a shout out to Garrod, who um, we featured his uh, comments and advice that he's giving to all his uh, clients in terms of response to coronavirus. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, those two together really, perhaps. But yeah, I think Avid have done uh, have been very sensible. It's not it's not earth shattering. They're not giving free stuff away. You've you've got to have bought it. Or if you are a student, I mean, it's good that they've they've extended it to education. So, if you are a student um, at, at a facility that have uh, Avid products, then again, there is the opportunity uh, to be able to get a an education license uh, at home so i think that's uh, also a very neat uh, thing to do because i think we can safely say that uh, our children's education our students education are going to be somewhat disruptive over the uh, coming mm-hmm. weeks uh, there's a lot so. of problems that there aren't easy fixes to but not no, having a absolutely. copy of pro tools or media composer can be fixed easily so yeah absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. indeed So on that, uh, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And good night from me. 